Welcome to the show, where my friends and I tell real-world stories of other-world magic. My name is Peyton, and I'm into it. Welcome, everybody. My name is Peyton Turner, and I'm into it. And so is my amazing, wonderful guest today, Britt Garrett. So welcome, Britt, to the show. Thanks for having me, Peyton. I'm, I'm really happy to be here. Oh, I'm so happy that you're here. So I was, I was, I was thinking about um, how we know each other. And, um, and really, our paths have crossed multiple times, I think, um, throughout the course of our lives. I really associate you with um, the yoga studio where yeah. um, I, I used to practice. And, um, and we both went through teacher training in that studio. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I'll never forget the day when I was in class, or it was either I was in class or uh, taking a class or teaching a class. And you came up to me and introduced yourself and then said that I had operated on your dad. Yeah, yeah, you were teaching. And I I was pretty new to yoga. And I didn't know you could talk to the instructors. I was like, this is, tough. <laughs> you know, like, it's kind of like when you go to a, you know, like a college class, and you're like, well, they're just in a different level than me. And I had only been going for a couple of months. And you were teaching the class, I had taken one of your classes before. And I knew that you, you know, like, I really liked your classes. And you told a story about being a physician's assistant for heart surgeon, like all of this stuff. And I was like, gosh, that really like the, you gave the name of the doctor and it rung a bell for me and I'm in the middle of practice. And, and again, you know, I'll be like, I'm two months into yoga and I'm like, like it, it was like, I was, I needed this so much in my life. Like I was in going through intense therapy, a lot of stuff going on in my life. And then like, you tell the story and I'm like, wow, that's weird. Yeah. So I hadn't talked to an instructor really other than hello. When I went into class, like I, I was just quiet and went to my mat. And so I would like roll up my mat and leave. And then, so I was like, I'm going to go say something to her. And so I was like, hello, thank you for the wonderful class. The story that you said, I mean, it kind of hit me weird. I was like, um, my father had a six way bypass on his heart in 2007. And, you know, I saw the hospital and you said, well, I probably operated on him. And I like my knees buckled, my knees buckled. <laughs> and, you know, cause I could have just not gone up and asked you the question. You didn't have to tell that story. And you actually said that you never talk about work really. Like you don't really like bring up stories about work back then. And um, I just remember being like, whoa. And then from that point on, I think I was like, oh, I love her. She's great. And so, and I think like I had a couple of friends going to the studio and I would be like, hey, you should meet Peyton. And we would, you know, (laughs) I was like, she probably saved my dad's life. And so, you know, it's, uh, it was pretty cool. So it was, it was a really, you know, I felt very connected to you from that point on. Oh yeah. And it's just been such a beautiful friendship since then. And, um, you know, it's funny when I, um, when I first started teaching yoga, it, it's like anything when you first start doing, you're so nervous and you just want to get it right. And you just want to make it through the class. And, you know, uh, students, you know, think the teachers are untouchable and teachers are like, oh my God, I can't even talk to the students. I'm so embarrassed. You know, it's like, oh God, you know. Um, but then as I started getting comfortable with the actual teaching piece, then I started to use my own intuition. Um, before I'd walk into the class, I would kind of tune in and I'd think, okay, what what's coming up for me? What needs to be said? Like, how can I how can I theme this class? How can I deliver a powerful class and also a powerful message? So um, I don't know, maybe, maybe that day was one of those days where I thought, you know, I'll give an example from, um, from my heart surgery career. Um, and, and then you just happen to be there. So I'm sure that's the way the world works and yeah, I'm glad, I'm yeah. glad it does because, uh, you know, because now we're friends because of it. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, so this show is about intuition. 
And um, you are not a practicing intuitive, meaning that you're not, um, you know, a card reader or a medium or a psychic or um, a numerologist or a Reiki therapist or anything, you know, that we would consider like uh, an intuitive practice for a, for a career. You're actually a police officer and you've been a police officer for um, how long now? Um, coming up on 14 years. Holy crap. Are you old enough? I know, right? I get that a lot. Um, I went into the police academy when I was 21 years old. I turned 22 in the police academy, like right after I graduated, graduated college. And it was like, it was, it was 2007. And so you've got like the housing market crash, like all of this stuff is happening. But I just got super lucky to be able to go from college directly into, I was in the police academy three months later. And so, um, yeah, so it's been coming up on, on 14 years this year, which is, it just seems crazy. It goes by so quick. That. That is crazy. Yeah. For those of you who are listening and not watching, um, Britt looks like she's maybe 12 years old. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's the soft touch lighting or something, but um, but thank you. That's very kind. (laughs) So I do, I do want to talk about, um, uh, and I, and I think that it's, I I think that this marriage, especially um, these days with everything that's going on in the world, I'd love to really talk about um, bringing intuition and, and bringing that kind of softness into um, the police work that you do. But before we get to that, um, I want to ask about, I guess my first question should be, what do you think intuition is and what does it mean for you? Like personally, not, yeah. not, not Brett, the police officer, but you know, Brett, the human. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, to me, I think I have a very complicated relationship with intuition. I know we've, we've talked a lot about um, like my past and my trauma and things like that. And I think for me, um, which I really like that you talk about it in your book, you talk about the pilot light mm-hmm. and it's like always back there, always on. But I think that it took me a long time to really tune into that. And um, there were times of like, where I just knew that like, Oh, that there's that thing, that tug from inside. And, you know, especially like going through your class on intuition about knowing what it feels like in the body. And I'm so associating it more with that now more than ever. Mm-hmm. And, and to me, it is like this, it's like this knowing, um, this, this type of, this feel that, um, you are on the right path. Um, Mm -hmm. and it sometimes doesn't feel great if you have to go against what other people think or say. Mm -hmm. Um, and I've, I realized it's a very long explanation of it. I wish I could make it more concise, but that is how I've, it's this like compass almost like this, like, um, this alignment that, um, if, if I had tapped into it sooner, I think I imagine about that too, like what, what, you know, steps or things like that, that I would have taken, but yeah. I'm, I'm noticing it more now and I'm trying to be more present with it. And I know when it doesn't, um, when it doesn't line up for me. Yeah. Um, and that took me a long time to really um, pay attention to that. And I know um, that's something that like you have to, you, I feel like it's like a lang- learning a language or practicing like, you know, hard math or something like you had to practice it in order to, to be in touch with it more. Um, and I'm noticing it now more than ever with, you know, just, um, as just a human being walking through this world, but especially, um, in my profession. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And I love the, um, thanks for, for bringing that image back from my book. Um, and, and I, in for, for the people who haven't read my book, it's called rise up from ash. And, um, and it was just really a, um, like a, really a product of, of love for, for everybody who needed to hear the words. But I talk about how our intuition is this tiny pilot light that never goes out, fortunately. And it's just a matter of being able to, to, to light it up again. 
Um, and also, I think I reference it as as a like a GPS, a compass, like guiding yeah. you, always yeah. guiding you back to your your path of alignment. Um, and so, um, for you, what there was there a time in your life when you were completely out of alignment, like had no idea that you had a pilot light, um, way off the path, out in the woods somewhere. Um, thinking that you're on the path, but weren't, you know, like, yeah. was there a time in your life like that? And if there was describe it for, for us a little bit. Yeah. You know, I think that's, um, that's a great question. Wow. There's a, there's a few things I can probably think of good examples for. Um, I know, like, I remember, um, and this is something kind of pivotal in my, my career that kind of changed a lot of the trajectory of what, um, I would go on to want to accomplish in my job. And I remember I was having a very heated conversation with a, with a close friend of mine about um, drug laws and we were discussing, you know, drug laws. And I had, of course, had my experience as a police officer and, you know, I was very like hard nosed, like everyone needs to go to jail and like, you know, all of this stuff. And my friend was like, well, but there are other options and there are other things that people could be doing. And I'm like, but I'm a cop. I'm supposed to arrest people. This is what I do. And uh, he kind of turned me on to some literature and I started reading about it. And I just remember like, um, it's called Chasing the Scream, I think is the name of the book. I, don't, I believe that's the name of it. And I read this book like cover to cover and I was just like, oh my gosh, like it just opened my mind completely to like what I wasn't seeing, what I wasn't seeing um, about addiction, what I wasn't seeing about, um, you know, mental illness and, and knowing that like also like I was on this pathway of really struggling with, um, with my own sort of, um, trauma that I hadn't really dealt with at the point. So I knew like, this was like the first domino for a lot of dominoes to happen later on. Yeah. And I immediately felt like, oh gosh, I've been doing things wrong and mm-hmm. um, that I need to get calibrated. And so I kind of went on a deep dive into understanding more about drug laws and what we could be doing differently as police officers and what other police departments are doing. And um, and that's how we got connected with the um, Gloucester Police Department in Massachusetts, who had just started this program back in uh, 2015 to help people who um, were looking for, um, who were suffering from drug addiction and didn't know what to do, didn't know where to go, that they could walk into the police department and the police department would help them get into treatment instead of taking them to jail. Oh, wow. It was, it was a pretty radical idea at the time. And yeah. meanwhile, you know, the our state and states across the, the nation were suffering from, you know, um, heroin and, um, you know, prescription pills. It was just an, the opioid crisis was full swing. And I just remember feeling this moment of like, oh my gosh, we could be doing something better. Like that feeling on the inside of your chest of like, I can change course though. Like, it's mm-hmm. like, I don't have to keep doing what I have been doing because that doesn't feel right for me anymore. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember like kind of recalibrating and just really working really hard to bring something like that to Kentucky. And, you know, it was really awesome to be a part of um, the planning to start the first angel program in Kentucky. And so we could help people get connected to drug treatment through a police department, which sounds crazy and bizarre. And it was a lot of fighting and a lot of, you know, getting to the point where we could do that. And now they're, they're, you know, across the state and, you know, there's multiple police departments doing these and um, it's just getting bigger and better by the day. And I now feel like in better alignment um, because of, of knowing that like, I stepped into this really uncomfortable thing. I had to like look at myself and deal with like, you know, maybe not everybody who's out there using drugs just needs to go to jail. Maybe yeah. there are other ways. Maybe people are struggling with a lot of stuff. And, and I realized that I never gave myself grace on anything that I was struggling with. And how could I give that to somebody else? And so it took like that look on inside of me and really starting to, you know, dig through my own personal stuff 
to be a better police officer and to, you know, learn and grow from that. And so I think that that kind of was like a, you know, the first little domino that started toppling over all of these other things in my life. Yeah. And what I'm seeing is as you're telling the story, there's so many beautiful things with it. One of the first things that's coming up for me is, is before this conversation with your friend, it sounds like you were in a very rigid um, kind of us versus them mentality. Mm -hmm. Like you use drugs, you fit in this box. I'm a cop. I fit in this box. And um, because you're in your box and I'm in my box that we have no similarities whatsoever. And this conversation with your friend and reading this book all of a sudden opened up a connection between you, Brittany, the cop, and these people who um, were uh, abusing drugs and people who you would have been arresting. It's all of a sudden now you see a little bit of yourself in them, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, as soon as um, you let down that wall, you could, you feel the, that empathetic connection, that like deep connection to um, like humanness of walking through this world. And there is like, and any one of us could be there. And I was, I was on my way to being there. I was in a bad spot mentally for a while, not dealing with my trauma. And I saw myself going, Oh, I get, I get it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, this isn't like you woke up someday and you said, Hey, I want to be addicted to drugs. That sounds awesome. Like nobody, nobody does that. And I lost my cousin to drug addiction. She overdosed and died um, from heroin after I had already started the angel program and um, she was like a little sister to me and she knew, she knew that I could help her, but she was so ashamed to come talk to me. And um, it's just awful. It's just terrible to, to know that. So it like hit me home harder than I ever thought it would going through all of this. So, you know, it, um, it to me was that it was that opening of getting connected to other people in, in a way that I had shut out because it was safer. It was easier to just say, well, you know, this thing goes in this box and this is what I do. And I could just do that every day for the rest of my career. Um, But we can do things better. And it allows us to kind of, you know, be, be opened up to be able to do that. Yeah. You know, it's, it's almost like um, if I'm comparing, you know, you as in your position as a police officer to a drug addict, it's almost like, you know, at some point in time, um, you both experience trauma these two entities, these two human beings experience trauma and one, one, one of them experiences it and decides, you know, and, and takes the path of, of becoming addicted to drugs. And the other one takes the path of being a cop. And, but the, but the trauma is very similar. It's just how you've chosen to manage it. Um, Right. And there's, there's a lot of police officers that are struggling with alcoholism and addiction and, um, you know, their, their home life, you look at divorce rates, you look at all of these things and it's, you know, vicarious trauma and PTSD and and everything else. And that's another thing that like led me through the yoga, my yoga teacher training and um, wanting to bring that to first responders so that we can, um, you know, work through a lot of that stuff that normally we would not talk about. And I think we're getting better as a culture Mm -hmm. in general, but also inside of law enforcement to talk about those things because, um, you know, if, if we're not taking care of ourselves, we're not going to give the community the service that it deserves. And, um, so that has been another, you know, opening and eye opening of dealing with my own mental health and, um, you know, doing yoga and therapy and meditation and all these things that like, if you, if you'd have met me five years ago, you'd be like, what, Brittany meditation, yoga, what? (laughs) And, um, and now it's like, a, like the, probably the third word out of my mouth anytime I meet somebody new. So 
Right, right. Yeah. It's interesting. So as you're talking, I'm, I'm remembering a time in my life where, um, I'm going to tell just a little, a little quick story, a time in my life where I was um, teaching and actually teaching high school biology. And, okay. I, and I was like teaching in, in the high school arena. And I did a brief stint um, at a place called Buckner Alternative High School which okay. is a place in Oldham County. Um, and I don't even know, I, I think it still exists, but I'm, we're talking like 25 something years ago. Right. So it's been a while. Um, but that it's it, at the time it was a place in Oldham County where um, students who had been kicked out of the other high schools could go as a last chance. Um, so a lot of emotional behavioral disorder kids there, a lot of kids with trauma, um, all sorts of kind of crazy stuff. And, and then I taught in, um, at a public, or excuse me, at a private high, I've taught at a lot of places, but I also then taught at a private high school um, um, here in Louisville, Kentucky. I taught at, taught at Kentucky Country Day. So I've taught all sorts of different kinds of children. Um, and what I, what I never understood, um, I always was curious about um, if I could take two kids, two high school kids um, with very, and I saw this, with very similar trauma backgrounds, um, and one could go the route of ending up at Buckner Alternative, and the other can go the route of ending up at a place like, you know, KCD or even just a regular public school, but be the valedictorian. So, you know, one becomes mm-hmm. one becomes the the troublemaker, and the other one becomes the valedictorian. But they, but if you trace them back, they're, you know, once you get to know the kids, you see that they've got these very similar um, trauma trauma backgrounds. And I thought, what is the thing that ha- that makes one go one way and one go the other? Mm. You know, I've always been really curious about that. And it's like now I'm reminded of this, this in my life, this period of my life now talking in this conversation with you about, you know, you've got the person who can walk the line of, of the cop and the person who walks the line of being the drug addict and um, with very similar backgrounds. And so what is the, you know, what's the difference maker Mm. there, you know, and is there a difference? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's so interesting because I think about that too of like, I think that's one, when you talk about the us versus them thing, I think that was something that um, changed that for me is seeing it in like somebody in my family who seemingly had a very, you know, similar opportunity or upbringing or whatever else. And like, um, but we couldn't be, you know, more opposite. I have, you know, other relatives in my family that are still struggling in active addiction but had a lot of the same resources or access to things that I did growing up. Mm-hmm. And here we are, you know, we're in entirely different sides of the spectrum. So I, I wonder that too, but it also allows me to know, like, you don't know what other people are going through. You yeah. don't know what they're carrying with them. Mm-hmm. So me, especially as a law enforcement officer dealing with somebody in the public, I think I see that more now than I ever did at the beginning of my career. Cause it's really hard to like, um, explain to a 21 year old. I mean, to, being 21, we talked about, I mean, like, you don't know anything. You know what I mean? And, and I now have the, you know, the, the legal ability to take away somebody's freedom. Yeah. And I think um, I reflect back on that. And especially now I understand more than ever the importance of that and the, um, the like how critical it is to really grasp that type of power mm-hmm. and to understand that like you, you have choices you have choices on how you can um, deliver that and, and to connect to people. Mm-hmm. And I'm beginning to see, you know, even more than, than even the beginning of my career, that type of thing that like, you don't know what people are carrying with them. You don't know what they've been through. You don't know their traumas. 
and giving people a little bit of grace in the middle of everything else. Because I mean, and especially since the pandemic and, and everything else happening in the world, like everyone's struggling, like there's a lot of struggle happening out there. And so it, it just, it, um, it's coming from that, like that compass of empathy and not knowing what people are coming from. And I think that is like, if I could change something in a police academy, it would be like, you just talk a whole month about compassion and empathy and listening to people and doing these things because it's, it's general human nature, but you may not get it growing up. Like you may not understand that, you know, um, what other people are going through or how to talk to people or how to, you know, find that out. I mean, it took me a very long time. You know, I'm, I'm 35 years old now. It took me a long time to start to understand that. And, um, and it's something you have to practice. It doesn't just come naturally. I think it's not that for some people it probably does, but for me, I was like bullheaded and like thought I knew everything. And yeah. I, I constantly get reminded that I don't, um, but, <laughs> but yeah, no, I wonder about that too. And, and, but it, it's, it's something to take into consideration anytime that, I deal with somebody because I'm, I'm thinking like, man, I don't know, you know, what they've been through to get here. And it's, um, it's, it's easier for me to do my job when I look at it through that lens, because I feel like I'm, I'm helping people more than I'm just, you know, put, being another cog in the wheel, you know? Yeah. One of the things that's been really helpful for me when I look at, when I see people who are, in my opinion, behaving poorly or behaving in anger or, or um, or hatred, or, you know, you're just, you know, um, people who are behaving poorly and aren't being kind. Um, I think, wow, that is a really wounded child in an adult skin suit. And if I can yeah, unzip yeah. that adult skin <laughs> suit and speak to that wounded child, yeah, um, then um, then that that's really that's really where it is. And it, it's and and that's where I've you know the, this these childhood wounds that we incur. Um, are the things that help us form our ego. Um, and, and for me, ego is the big saboteur of intuition. So yeah, yeah. when we're stuck in our ego and our woundedness, um, we tend to stray far away from the intuitive path of alignment. And I think for you, you know, I, that seems like when you were very, very in that box of I'm a cop and this is what a cop does, um, that was very, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but do you feel like that was really ego driven out of a wounded place? Absolutely. Yeah. I feel that completely. Um, and I think about that because I, I didn't know who I was yet. I think I was still working on that and trying to, I know that I got into law enforcement to help people, but I had this like small little toolbox on how I could help people. Yeah. And, you know, 80% of that is to arrest somebody. And there's like these really, really small tools about how to help with somebody who's experiencing a mental health issue um, mm -hmm. that we get called out to all the time. And mm -hmm. there's like another one where you have a little bit of leeway to like let people go or give them a citation or whatever else. And like, then there's arrest. There's really not a lot of options. And so for me, like, I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to sit in this box and do these things and do them well, according to how I was trained and how, how I feel like I should behaving, be behaving as a police officer. Mm -hmm. And, and it, I know like over time, it just didn't feel right anymore to me. It, it felt wrong to continue doing something that didn't feel the way good inside of my body. Yeah. And, um, and I think that's how I've led a lot, you know, of what I want to accomplish in my career and, um, you know, how far I've come so far, you know, to, to go through like the angel program stuff and trying to work on social workers and law enforcement and a lot of these other things that it, it feels right to me to be doing those things. Mm -hmm. And, and I know now reflecting on, you know, early in my career, I'm like, 
I was just, I was just going through the motions. I wasn't, you know, connected to um, the responsibility or to the um, um, what felt right inside of my body at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you brought it up a couple of times. So I'd like to kind of talk about it. This, this concept of what feels right in your body. Mm-hmm. And so you took a class of mine on yoga and intuition. And we, um, and in that class, I taught that um, when you are getting an intuitive ping, um, that something is not right, it will elicit um, a low level stress reaction in your body called the flight, the fight or flight mm-hmm. response. And so, um, and so we get these, um, you know, we, and it feels a certain way. And so we went through a specific exercise to feel how the stress response feels in your body. And, um, and to know that, you know, when something is off, right. Intuitively, yeah, yeah. you know, it's off. And then intuitively, when you know, something's right, it would be the opposite. It's like, you're not in a stress response. You're in a state mm-hmm. of, of, of what's called rest and digest and things feel good. Um, how do you think, um, you know, and when we're in that space of rest and digest and we're, and things feel good, um, then, then we, then we can really listen to our intuition and we can stay in on this path of what I call alignment, which is this path of feeling good. Um, how do you think, and since, um, since you and I have a common, uh, you know, and actually it's not common to us, just the two of us, I think everybody has trauma, (laughs) (laughs) which is whether you know it or not, like whether you've actually started to unpack it or not. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So speak a little bit about in your life, your specific Brit life about how your, um, how your trauma and your wounds actually helped to keep you away from your own intuitive stuff. Yeah. You know, I think that, yeah, yeah. I think um, for me, like it, I think it made it feel like, because especially my trauma is, you know, a lot of stuff that happened in my childhood, you know, um, of not being able to like trust myself and know what was right. Um, You know, sexual abuse and things like that. Um, Growing up and now, like I've read every book I possibly can on um, the, the, sort of physical, um, emotional, you know, medical things that you can think of that happen to your body that you really maybe understand why um, I felt a certain way as an adult, I'm holding on to this trauma and not talking about it ever to anybody. And um, it took me a long time to get through that and really be able to even have this conversation because a couple of years ago, I wouldn't have been been able to say that aloud that um, there was sexual abuse in my life and wouldn't have, wouldn't be able to talk about it. So, um, but for me, I think what that did was that it, um, it covered up my intuition. Like it, it made it to where like, I couldn't really trust myself because I was being told that like, you have to keep it secret. You can't talk about these things. You can't deal with this. I was struggling, um, you know, for many years with my sexuality and the, you know, upbringing that I got was not, um, uh, receptive to, um, homosexuality. And so I just learned to like tamp everything down. So there must be something wrong here. And so I think for me, it was uncalibrated. Like it was hard to know, okay, this doesn't feel right, but am I really feeling this? Or like, I would question my intuition for a very long time. And occasionally it would come out and it would also be like, it would come out when I knew like, okay, there's something bad here. I need to get out and say this. And then I immediately felt like, oh gosh, you know, that feeling of like, when you have to stand up for something and you know that you're going to be the only person standing up for this. And then you just feel terrible afterwards. And then you're like trying to figure out like, okay, did I do the right thing? And like all of this stuff. And, but now I'm noticing it like by opening that up through 
you know, therapy and, and, and having wonderful friends like you who can teach me about these things and yoga and, and everything else. Like that has shown me that like, I'm, I, I feel it more. Like I literally was talking about that, you know, with, um, with uh, some people that I was like, you know, I'm feeling this makes me feel this way. And this is, we start having a discussion about it because it's like a decision at work or a policy we're writing or, you know, somebody, you know, a friend that needs help with something. And I'm like, oh, I can sit with it differently. And I, I know that it's there and it's, that's the biggest change in my life is yeah. that I'm, I'm recognizing it now. I feel it. And, um, and at times I don't always listen to it. And I re- I realize that like later on when I'm going, oh, I really should listen to that, but it's there now. It's, it's, it's like not just locked away in a cage. Like it was for many, many, many years. Um, and I was somehow, somehow able to operate and do a lot of things and accomplish a lot of things and yeah. do these amazing things um, in my life. And, um, you know, and I was always also always to- like told, oh, you keep it together so well. Like when I lost both of my parents when they when they died and, um, you know, I went right back to work and it was like, oh, you're, you're so strong. and You're doing this stuff. But inside, like, you know, I'm exploding in my brains because it's an appearance. And I knew how yeah. to appear as though I had everything under control. And I did that for the majority of my life until the bottom dropped out and I had to really like assess it. And so, yeah, that's kind of how it's, it's changed me. The trauma is like, you know, kept it down for so long, but now like looking it in the eye and acknowledging it and, and, you know, EMDR has been wonderful and (laughs) all of those other things. It's gotten me to where I can see it more. Yeah. You've done so much amazing work. I think, I think the, the abuse and the trauma, I mean, for me and what I'm hearing for you is that it just takes you so far away from who you are. Mm. Like you, you have to play all these roles and you have to be all these things to survive. And then all of a sudden, you know, the years pass by and you don't even know who you are anymore. You know, mm. and who you are is that divine pilot light that's deep down inside, but you don't even know where it is or how to find it. Um, and, yeah. until, until one day it's just like, literally the light switch flips and you're like, wait a minute, it's in right. Yeah. And, and what a gift, you know, because there's so many people right. who walk through life without that aha moment, you know, and, yeah. and that, that light switch moment of like, oh my God. And so for you, was that light switch moment, that conversation with your friend or was it something? I think that that was the first one of many light switch moments over mm-hmm. the next few years. And um, it just, especially with my trauma, it just came to a point where I just I couldn't sit with it anymore. It was physically making me sick. It was making, you know, it was leading me to a place where I was, you know, um, drinking too much. I was um, not taking care of myself. Um, I was just struggling really hard. I, I hadn't on top of that, like hadn't dealt with my parents dying and like all of these other things. And it was like, it was one trauma after another, just piling on. Mm-hmm. And my body was saying, you need to get help. And, and I think that like these types of things and also coming to this, like, in my own career, like I was promoted and I was like, you know, one of the youngest people promoted to the position that I'm in. And like, I had all this responsibility and I also felt like a great responsibility to do things differently and to change things and to try to, you know, fix the world and all of these things. Mm -hmm. And so I think all of that at the same time, it was just like, you know, the, the last little um, thing in Jenga that's about to topple the whole (laughs) thing over. And that's, um, and that's what happened to me. And, um, I would, you know, I don't necessarily want to go through that again, but I'm really glad that I did because I wouldn't be here talking to you right now if I hadn't. Yeah. And that, and that's, isn't that the honest to God truth? I look back on my life and say of all the trauma that I experienced, um, I wouldn't have it any other way because it has led me to this place where I, um, 
I feel like I am on the other side of it. Like it's been, I mean, and that's, that is why we come to inhabit these human bodies. And that's why our divine souls come to inhabit these human bodies is to experience that contrast, right? That contrast between um, that, that, that contrast between uh, well, really the two master emotions, fear and love. Like yeah. we, feel, we feel all the fear-based love, fear-based emotions so that we can fully experience what love is like. Yeah. And, and, and I, I think I definitely, um, like I was always waiting for the other shoe to drop. So I would not, I would stop myself from feeling love or feeling accepted or feeling all of these amazing things because I knew something bad was around the corner. And yeah. so when you cut out that, um, when you cut out the, the, the shoe dropping and you, and you cut out the thing about like, you don't want to feel pain. You don't want to feel sad. You also don't feel all the love. You don't feel yeah. all the acceptance. Yeah. And I lived that way for a long time. And it's um, it, it's, it feels different to just be awake and to have um, you know, that, that opening, it's just entirely different yeah. walking through the world. Yeah. I, um, I had a meeting with my, my personal coach um, earlier this week, and we were, we were talking about trauma. I've had a lot of, a lot of stuff come up. I mean, I just feel like, you know how it is. It's like you do this, you start doing this work and the work never ends. It's like, there's one layer and you think you're great. And you're like, I did it. And then yeah. two weeks later, it's like, Oh, another layer. Ah, and then you're oh, like, Oh, yeah. on the other yeah. side, I made it no more, you know? Um, so I recently went through a layer, which was really yeah. fun. And, um, you know, we were talking about, um, this new revelation of you just even more, you know, I mean, air quotes, trauma and past trauma. And she said, Peyton, it doesn't exist anymore. And I'm like, what do you mean? It doesn't exist anymore. Of course it exists. She's like, it's in the past. It does not exist anymore. Woof, right, yeah. <laughs> and I was, and I was so I wanted to cling because it was still so fresh. I was like, no, it's mine. It did happen, you know, that, and that's right. why I feel this way. And, you know, all this kind of stuff. And then, and then I let it simmer for a day and I thought she's right. It doesn't exist yeah. anymore. Yeah. That's super powerful. Yeah. And so what does exist? Well, the present moment is what exists. Mm. Um, and how can I move from a place of um, being um, defined or moving from these past patterns? Like what I'm doing basically is bringing old patterns into my, into my present and then carrying Mm -hmm. forward into my future. So how can I, how can I just, just be like, you know what, I'm going to honor it, but it doesn't exist anymore because it's gone. Right. And so how can I be now just pivot and be in a place of facing forward and, and be in a place of creation? Yes. Yeah. That's, I love that. I love that so much. (laughs) How does that land for you? Like I felt compared to compelled to share that with you. Yeah. Tell me where that fit with where you are in your life right now. It really does because um, you're right. Like when you start the work, it doesn't end. Um, And for me, like there are times when it comes up and I'm just like, so angry, like, Oh, this thing happened to me and it robbed, you know, years of my life. It robbed, you know, these things. But then I, I, I hear what you're saying. Like for me, it's becoming um, a focus on forgiveness and it's, mm-hmm. and forgiveness doesn't mean it's like get out of jail free card, you know, pun intended, but like, you know, it's, it is like just accepting that we are here now and I can continue to allow this thing to take my days. I can allow it to take my sleep. I can allow it to take my joy. 
or I can acknowledge it and move on. But I, I feel the exact same way because it's, um, I'm really glad you brought that up. Actually, it's probably just something in my brain made you like, just bring it in. But uh, because I feel it, I mean, I feel that right now more than ever, because it's, it's to me about my growth from here on, because I feel like I've yeah. done a lot of like this sound solid foundational work, this hard work that I had to do to get to where I am now. Mm-hmm. And I know there's going to be another cycle. There's going to be another phase of like where I'm at the top of the mountain. And I'm just like, yes. And then it's like, Oh no, there's this other thing. And yeah. then we keep going. But like, um, yeah, I feel that 100%. Yeah. Why can I be in a space of creation? Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's a powerful place to be, you know, the, the mountain imagery, it's, it's interesting because um, I had somebody share this with me. It's like, if you're climbing the mountain and you start at the bottom of the mountain and you take the circular path up to the top, up to the peak, you always come back to the same face of the mountain over and over again. You just come from a higher viewpoint. Ooh, as you climb. Yeah. I so like you may encounter yeah. the encounter the same things over and over again, but now you're a little bit higher up and you've got a different viewpoint yeah. of, of those things. Yeah. Um, and I, I and also that. the also the other thing too, it's 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 getting to a place of this this victim mentality and and I'm there and I've been there for a while now. This whole concept of victim mentality. Well, this happened to me, and moving from a place of this happened to me to this happened. Mm. Yeah, it's just something that happened. Yeah, yeah. And then and that is it's a gift really to get to that point because it it's it's hard to make that jump. It really is, but there is there's something very freeing about that. Yeah. And then the next step. So I've been in that place of mm-hmm. I'm out of the, this happened to me and now I'm in this happened. And then the next step is, um, and it doesn't even exist anymore. Mm. So if it doesn't exist anymore, because it's in the past and the past is over, yeah. you know, mm. then, then, yeah. then what's possible. Yeah. I so love for, that. Yeah. So for you, if you, if you, um, if you could look at, at everything in your life up to this point and be like, it's something that happened and it doesn't exist anymore. Then what's possible for you, Brit, moving forward? Like three words. Wow. Three words. Oof. Um, yeah, there are three. What's possible? Like the past doesn't exist and you're facing forward. What's possible? All the things. All the things. All, all okay, the things three are words. Possible. Oh, perfect, right? <laughs> Right. I mean, yes, yeah, everything's I, possible. Oh everything my God. Is That's possible. so true. It's so funny. I'm expecting you to say like peace, joy, possibility. No, like, all, all the things. things. Those are <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's so it true. is. It absolutely is. Oh, oh yeah, for sure. I like that. Um, yeah. I think about, I, I mean, I, I do that a lot now when I'm like thinking of I get like it in my brain of like, well, you know, especially in my profession of thinking like, well, we have to do things this way because this is the way it's always been done and all this stuff. And then I'm like, well, wait a second. What if this thing just didn't exist? What if we didn't do things this way? What could we do? And I think that's as we talk about public safety and what we, what we think it will look like in the future and everything else. It's like, what if we hit a reset button and try to start from scratch? Like, what if we look what will be possible if we don't think there are constructs of how we should be doing things and like, see what's the the right thing that what, what feels right, what feels right for humanity moving forward. And um, because it's easy for me, because I'll get bogged down with like, Oh, we've got to do X, Y, Z. And it's like, man, if I could just look at this from a clean slate, 
you know, and, and go, you know, and, and in my personal life too, thinking about, you know, and like what can be possible. And I've had that happen a few times in my life where I'm just like, if I step back from this and I let those things go and I let that stuff go in the past, I, I can create something. You're right. Like it is, it's about, you know, growing from there, growing. We are our own worst oppressors. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, we are the people with the shackles on our wrists and our ankles holding the key in our hand. <laughs> yeah. Oh boy. Yeah. That is correct. Yeah. I mean, that is, that is, that is human nature. Um, yeah. We've got the key to our freedom in our hand and, and we think that somebody else has it. And we think that somebody else put the shackles on, but in actuality, we put the shackles on ourselves and we hold the key. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I love, uh, yeah, absolutely. I don't know what to say. It's amazing. Yeah, exactly. So one last question before we get to um, some, some really fun stuff. Um, and this has been super fun. I just love this conversation. I want to ask you um, how has trusting yourself and I don't even want to say following your intuition because you brought up the um, you, you brought up the fact that it was really hard to trust yourself for a while. Yeah. So how has trusting yourself changed your life? How have you been changed yeah. by being able to trust yourself? Um, I, I think one of the biggest things is um, I, I value my voice and I stand up now. Like I stand up for what I think is right. What um, I think is, you know, needs to be said um, when it's even when it's uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I've, I think of many times when I didn't, when I sat there and I was just like, this doesn't feel good to me. And mm-hmm. I did not say anything or do anything about it. Mm-hmm. And I think that is one of the biggest changes to me. And it's, and I'm very unapologetic about that, yeah. about just knowing that um, I do know what's what, what feels right to me. Mm-hmm. And I need to stand up for that. I think that's been a, a big thing in my life. And and just making um, making choices that seem better in my you know in my I don't know how to word it but like no. just making a choice that seems more aligned um, yeah. and just letting it go like you know like I'm, I'm this is where I'm going and here we go instead of ugh, just being like so caught up in it and going oh did I do the right thing did I think just like no you know. Just stay, just go. Oh, thank you for bringing that up because there's, there's a piece of being unattached to the outcome that is so important. That's a key. That's another key to freedom. Like it's one thing to follow a path of alignment, but we're not free if we're attached to the outcome, you know, so I can, I can, I can do what's right for me. I I can enter into a difficult conversation with somebody and, and speak my voice and, 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 and have integrity but if I'm attached to the outcome of that conversation, then I'm still stuck in my ego. Yeah. And I think I was in that window for a while when I got the confidence and I felt really good. And I was just like, <laughs> yeah. And then I was just like, but oh no. And then I would, you know, be constantly thinking yeah. about it. But like, I, I'm, I'm submit, I was submitting a grant recently and I was like, oh, I work so hard on this thing. It's like, I better get this money. I want to do this project and all this other stuff. And when I actually sat down, press send, and I just go, I've done the work. Yeah, it is what it is. And and I said, you know, it, I want this thing more than ever. I want it to work. I want it to be great for our community, but like I've done the work. This is all I can do. And I've done, and I know that I've done everything that I can at this point. And I felt so much ease and so much peace from that. And I think about that, like, what else am I like fighting that I could just be like, Hmm, 
you know, if I just let this thing go, like, and it sometimes like, cause I, I tend to be, um, uh, excitable, I guess on some things. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and when I take a step back and sometimes it takes somebody to go, maybe you should just take a step back and think about this. I'm like, okay. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. And it is, it's, it's, it's feeling of ease, um, yeah. to step back away from the outcomes. Yeah. Be unattached to the outcome. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. All right, cool. So what I'm going to do now, and I've already asked your permission and you've given it to me. So normally at this point in the podcast, I would, I would be sharing with you. um, I would be sharing with you some messages from spirit that I had received before we started talking. Um, And what they've asked me to do, and by they, I mean what spirit my guides have asked me to do today is to actually do a a live card poll for you, Um, which, um, which should be fun. And I'm using this deck. It's a, um, it's a Doreen, it's the Doreen Virtue Angel Therapy Oracle card deck. It is the first deck that I have ever, that I ever bought. It's Mm -hmm. the first deck that I was, um, that I, I was trained on to do um, future predictions or do psychic readings for people. Um, it's also the only card deck that my dog, Charlie has chewed. Um, (laughs) so um, so (laughs) it's a really, it's a really special deck for me. So I'm just at this point, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna pull a card and this is the one that wants to be pulled. And (laughs) this is so great. This is, um, the crown chakra card. And the message says, pay attention to your ideas as they are messages of true divine guidance sent and answer to your prayers. Mm. And so the image on this card, I'm going to show it for the people who are watching this on the YouTube, on the YouTubes. The YouTube. for, those who, on the, for those who are listening or just listening to the audio, the image on this card is a structure that looks kind of like um, a, the Parthenon. There are lots of columns. And it's floating on a cloud in the night sky. Um, And there is a beautiful um, glowing light within the Parthenon looking structure itself. And there's also a very similar um, glowing light in the sky above the Parthenon. And when I look at this, Britt, I think of... um, I think of this light in the Parthenon as being you where you are now and this light in the night sky kind of a little bit off in the distance is where you're being pulled. Mm. And I feel that this um, has to do with your, um, I think it's a parallel, it's a parallel um, path, your, your spiritual personal path and your, um, and your career path. Mm. Um, and I think that those, those paths that they're walking parallel to, and this, this is kind of what we've talked about in this conversation. I feel like those, your personal spiritual journey and your career path journey um, have kind of been parallel to each other. There's been some, some moments where um, you've, you've had a personal enlightenment and also a career enlightenment. And I only think that those two parallel paths are going to start getting closer and closer together. Like I really see, and this was kind of coming in for me as we were talking, I, I see, um, I see you really bringing this kind of um, intuitive piece into um, your, your policing career, like, Mm -hmm. like actually with you leading trainings on how to, how to teach police officers to be, to use their intuition and what that means and what trauma means Mm -hmm. and all this kind of stuff. 
Um, and maybe even what I'm here, the word I'm hearing now is like a police officer chaplain. So I don't know if that's, yeah. <laughs> you know, know, it's, uh, it's quite funny, but, um, last weekend I became an ordained minister. Actually. Ah, okay. There we go. <laughs> it's, it's to marry a friend, but, um, nonetheless, but it's, uh, that's incredibly powerful because, um, I've actually been since my yoga teacher training and, um, COVID, I obviously threw stuff off of, of the track, but, um, I've been trying to discuss about how I can, there are like certain certifications in, in law enforcement in order to teach and get like credit inside of the, the yeah. system that we had to get credit for. Mm-hmm. And I've been trying to figure out like if I can get the certification as a law enforcement instructor so that I can develop a um, yoga training. That's like a yoga leadership training um, for police officers. Oh, and um, I am because I think that, with that if you well, know. and that's what I'm saying, because I remember um, in yoga teacher training, one of the most impactful segments that we had, you know, it was like Mimi and Kat were teaching and they were talking about like, you know, as, as teacher, the power that you have and, and the um, responsibility that you have. Mm-hmm. And they were able to like bring in this amazing, like leadership, you know, sort of nexus to what we're doing. And I sat in that class and I have like, I have a master's degree in organizational leadership. I have been to leadership trainings and all this stuff. And I sat there and like, my brain was like blown. And I said, this needs to be everywhere. Like this, everyone needs this. Like when they are born, they, this is the first thing they should be taught. But like I said, specifically for law enforcement, like I would love that like 100%. And we're actually working on trauma informed training for law for our police officers right now. Yeah. Um, but it's all together. But yes, I will definitely pick your brain whenever this thing can happen, because that's, I mean, that's where I feel like we have to be like, we can't, um, it it feels right to me to go down that road and to do these things. So that that's a perfect card. Yeah, it is. It really is the perfect card. And it's just like, I just see you standing in this very, um, and the other thing about this Parthenon structure is that, um, it's a box, but it's also, there are no walls. There are just columns, right? Mm. So it's, it's not, it's, there's structure, but it's not containing. Does that make sense? Yeah, I love that. It's not like the box that you were in when you first started being a police officer. It's, it's, it's working within the, um, with it's working within the structure of, um, of, of being a cop and also being able to move freely in and out of that structure as you're reaching towards this higher goal, which on this card Mm. is, is this, this moon in the sky you know, it's like, shoot for the right. moon, shoot for the moon, you know, like you are, you are, I, I love you that. Are the light, yeah. You are the light that can take it there. So, um, yeah, I love it. Mm. Yay, so Thank fun. you. Thank you so much. Yeah, I, you know, I, it's so, it's a, like, I've always been, um, nervous to have cards read or anything like that, because I don't know why, like, I think it's just, I, I think I, I like imagine like an old movie or something where they like, they tell you, you know, you have 24 hours to live or something like that. And you're like freaking out. So I was like, I was like, Oh, please don't pull that card. Whatever one. That is. So yeah. good. this is good. Oh, no. Yeah. Well, thank you for being open to that. I know it can yeah. be a little nerve wracking. And um, I, I set the intention very early on in my um, intuitive career that I'm only working above the line of light. That doesn't mean that there's shadow work that I don't do sometimes, but, um, but yeah, it's, there's, there's no benefit to, um, yeah, there's just no benefit to, to delivering. I'm, I'm all about delivering messages of hope and love. I mean, that's yeah. all there is to it. That's just all there is to it as far as, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> um, 
Rin, is there anything that you would like to share with the audience at this point in time? No, this was a lovely conversation. Uh, you know, obviously it's, it's, you, it's so wonderful to talk to you always, but um, you know, thank you for weaving a lot of this together into a, I think a cohesive place. It, um, it makes me feel so good. So. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. And that, so you mentioned a couple of things that you're working on um, mm-hmm. with the with the police force. Is there um, is there a way for us to support you in that? And if so, that, how? That's a great question. Um, we're gonna, you know, I, I I'll reach out to you whenever we get further along in some of this process. Um, I'm waiting to hear for some grants and things like that. Um, but it requires collaboration. Like we can't do anything in our silo. And so mm-hmm. it requires us to have contacts and connections and collaborations with, you know, um, treatment organizations and mental health facilities. And I really want to, um, you know, get to a point where I can, you know, teach yoga in mm-hmm. the police department to be able to do this and give this, I, I, I mean, it's obviously, it's a gift to me. So to be able to pass that on to someone else and, um, you know, so I'm, I'm hoping to get to that point where we can do that. So I'm sure, that I, and also I'm like terrified of that too, um, to be like, you know, yoga instructor, because it's, I, there's, I feel like there's so much pressure, like you said, like, but then yeah. if you just like, oh, you know, just, just do it, you know what to do yeah. and, you know, just call a pose. If you don't know what to do, just call a pose. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I think there might be, I think there might be support. I think of, of anything, just keep sending positive vibes. You know, I think yeah. that's, that's another thing too, just like. Um, because sometimes when I begin to doubt what I'm doing or the, the, I, you know, have that other, that 14 hour day where I'm just like, Oh, is it worth it? Um, what you're saying and what you've said today is it gives, it fills my cup back up and, um, it, it tells me to keep going. And, um, so just putting that out there in the universe, uh, I think gives me, gives me strength. So. Awesome. Well, Britt, I can't thank you enough. This has been a pleasure. Yeah. Um, I love these because I get to, I get to know, um, the people that I care about a little bit better. And that's certainly been true of today. So, um, if you guys have any, um, anybody has any questions, you can reach me, um, at, uh, PeytonHTurner.com. Uh, you can email me at Peyton at PeytonHTurner.com. You can follow me on uh, Instagram and Facebook. And, um, I just want to thank you, Britt, so much for showing up today. Um, my name is Peyton. This is Britt Garrett, and we are both into it.